Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones is just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So for that, we bring in our friend who is the host of Blewett's Blitz, Mr. Joe Blewett. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Carl Wilms. He says, what are your thoughts about drafting a tackle at number four and trading Becton before his value gets completely destroyed? I'm not sold on him as a true left tackle, but someone might be in love with his potential. Joe, you and I talked about this before we started recording. I think the best move, if you're picking a tackle at four, would be to take Kwanu or Neil, and I guess it would be tougher with Neil, but that's another debate for another time, and have somebody play guard for the first year and then slide them over to tackle after George Fant's contract is up, and then you've got two tackles there with Becton and the guy going into his second year, and of course, you don't have to pay them at the same time because Becton would be due to be paid much sooner than the other guy, but of course... There's a lot of X factors here. You could potentially take Iquanu or Neil, put them at tackle and deal Becton and then just re-sign Fant. But if you do that, you're giving up on Becton. Do you really want to do that with a guy who's 22-23 and has as much potential as we saw his rookie year? On the other hand, we have seen all the injuries, so there's all those questions. Of course, the other thing you could do is you could take that guy at number four, play him at guard, you're one, and then if you want to shop Becton at the end of the season and slide that guy over to tackle and use Fant at the other tackle spot and extend him, you could do that. So there's a lot of ways you could go. Me personally, I probably would not deal Becton now just because I think he has so much potential 
The question, of course, is you're rolling the dice on his health. So is it worth Mm -hmm. trying to cut bait now and seeing if some team is willing to give you a first-round pick for him and moving on to another cheap rookie if you get that tackle at number four? You could make an argument for it, but I just like Becton a lot out of Louisville, and I thought we saw so much good stuff out of him as a rookie when he was healthy that I would prefer to keep him and just see what happens. But I could understand an argument if somebody comes to you and wants to offer you a first-round pick. For example, we talked earlier about the Steelers with the 20th pick. Let's say they offered you the 20th pick for Becton. You'd have to at least think about it, especially considering the injuries and that he would be going into year three of his contract. You could go either way on this. I don't think you're crazy for suggesting it, but I would probably ride it out with Becton even if I drafted a tackle at number four. Yeah, it's like you said, I'm, I'm going to try to shorten it. Um, you could take it in many ways. Um, if it was ne- like Neil, if you're if you're drafting him, he's playing tackle to me. He's, he's just not a fit at guard. Um, and I don't like you now you're taking Becton, who I think could still be a strength. You're replacing what should be a strength with another guy instead of addressing a hole. Like I, I rather address a hole than replace something that we might already have. Um, where you draft a Quanu, um, I would be more favorable, favorable to that, but then you're not trading him this year. Like you said, like, okay, Quanu plays right guard Becton, We see how he does this year. And if you're comfortable with, with, uh, a Quanu flexing out to tackle in year two, then that's where you trade him. You don't trade him now. So, um, <clears throat> which by the way, with, with a Quanu, if he's a, if he's a great guard, keep him at guard. Like that's, that's kind of where I stand. I think, I think the positional value thing is a little bit crazy. I think a great guard is still, is impactful. It's obviously not as impactful to tackle, but it's still playing impactful for me to keep him there. But um, Neil isn't worth that for me. So if you're drafting Aquano, he's a guard year one, maybe even in the future. So you're not you're not trading Beckton because of drafting Aquano to me. And then past that, Neil isn't worth it. Like if it was if it was let's say um, Dredrick Wills of a couple of years ago, and I and I love Dredrick Wills, and I'm super convinced he could be a great left tackle, then I would be much more willing to do that trade Beckton for the 20th pick. But I'm not as sold on Neil. So you're you're replacing. Becton with what would be another question mark um, with me and instead of filling a hole. So I much rather fill that hole, whether it be again, a guard spot, you know, uh, edge rusher, you know, corner, whatever it's going to be, um, you know, that, that early in the draft, then kind of replacing a question with a question and in, in Evan Neal. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Jim D. He says, who is the one college prospect that you and Luke disagree on? You guys seem pretty aligned on a majority of the prospects. Well, I'll answer this and then, Joe, we can talk about a prospect that you and I disagree on, I suppose. So Luke and I do agree on most prospects, but I think we probably differ the most on Garrett Wilson. I don't love Garrett Wilson, and I certainly wouldn't even think of taking him at number 10. But Luke is really low on Garrett Wilson, and I think he's a very good receiver, potentially in the NFL. Luke just doesn't see anything special with him. So that's probably our biggest disagreement, at least off the top of my head. And then, Joe, you and I were talking about this earlier. I think we probably differ the most right now on Jermaine Johnson. Now, to be fair, you think Johnson is good and has potential. You'd be comfortable with him in the top 15 to 20. You're just not sold on him at number 10. I think you could make a strong case for him at 10 if you don't get the edge rusher at 4, depending on who else is on the board. But I do agree with you that ideally you'd rather get him at, say, 15 or 20. I know that there are some deficiencies in his game that have been sort of papered over because of how well he did at the Senior Bowl. 
But I think I probably am more confident that he can be a really good edge rusher at the NFL level than you are. Is there one that sticks out beside that that you think that you and I have a big disagreement on? Maybe Evan Neal a little bit? Because I actually like Evan Neal a lot. I think he can be a really good tackle for the next 10 to 15 years. I think you're probably a lot lower on him, especially after what you just said. You're not really all that sold. Do you think he'd be... OT5 or something if this was 2020 yeah. so I guess those are the two right Jermaine Johnson and Evan Neal uh yeah top of my head like Jermaine Johnson and um I gotta watch more on him I'm only two games deep and, and I've warmed up to him in the second half of the Miami game um I think he's a little bit more raw than people think he is and I, I think he's a guy who's supposed to be like a late round first and because of a good week of practice which I get is important now he's supposed to be a top 10 pick like he's not some crazy athlete he's not some crazy technician so I just want to see like what his it is and I kind of haven't seen that yet. Um, so him and him and Carl Loftus are kind of, and maybe Carl Loftus too. I think they're kind of like lumped in together for me. I would probably prefer Carl Loftus right now because I, I like the, you know, Jermaine Johnson's more of the sexy player, like the more flashy player, just like kind of receiver is where Carl Loftus is a technician. Um, and a guy who, you know, I, I, I know you've compared him. And I think even Daniel Mer- Jeremiah compared him to, um, what's his face, uh, to Ryan Kerrigan, you know, the, the less athletic guys, uh, the guy who just signed with uh, the Bengals this year, who we didn't sign from the Saints, uh, I'm blanking out on his name right now off the top of my head. Um, you know, I forgot. Yeah, I forget his name. So, like, I think he's a less athletic guy, but really technical. And I think people just they see less athletic, which I think they're confusing. Like Carl Loftus with being really unathletic. He has good speed of power. He has good straight line explosion. Um, but that's paired with like excellent technique. Um, so I think that's the guy we differ on a little bit. We differ on Jermaine Johnson a little bit. Like I'm more 15, 20, you're more comfortable at 10, which I'll be okay with just because of taking a swing on, on the positional value. Um, but I, I would say the biggest that I, I get the sense on is Neil. We're like Neil, I would be, I would be like massively, massively disappointed at, at four, even if he's at 10, like there are players I'm not going to like, even at 10, if you have sauce Gardner on, on the board, and which again, I know I'm speaking in fantasy land because I know people will probably take him there, or whatever. Um, but if you have Sauce Gardner there, if you have even Carl Loftus there, I don't think I'm taking Neil over those guys. Like I, I do not like Neil. I'm just not a Neil guy. He's balanced in the run game. The, the, his big steps, the bend from his waist, he misses blitz pickups, the lack of aggression. You know, his forward lean. Like there's a lot of problems with him. I think he he's getting overhyped because he's that next. Like uh, he's the best tackle on the board, but it doesn't mean it's a good tackle class. Like you're, he's like kind of like. The tackle, the, the the tackle compared to Becton's class as kind of we're we're comparing the receivers of this year compared to Jamar Chase's Jerry Judy's type draft class. It's like I just I just feel like in a good class he's the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. No, maybe not sixth guy. That's a little crazy. But the fourth, fifth, sixth guy, or no, no, fourth, fourth, fifth, <laughs> fourth or fifth, um, as compared to a lock number one. Like he's nowhere close to a Willis. He's nowhere close or, or Wills. He's nowhere close to a Worfs. He's not close to a Becton when they were coming out. So to take him at four or maybe even 10, I would just be utterly disappointed. So I, I think that's our biggest difference where you're much more um, favorable to, uh, towards Neil. Joe, were you talking about Trey Hendrickson before? Yes, that's who I was talking about. There you go. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you because you were on a roll, but I had a feeling that's who you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Next question comes in from T Diddy Jammer 54. He says, "Why are there reports of Kayvon Thibodeau's stock dropping? Do you think it's real and is there a reason to be concerned about the rumors?" So, it's hard to really tell if a guy's stock is dropping for real this time of year because remember, we haven't even gotten to the scouting combine yet. It's very early, so it's just a lot of whispers. This is mostly predicated on what you've heard from Daniel Jeremiah. He's talked to people around the league, but also watched the tape himself, and he talked about this. I think Kayvon Thibodeau, in some ways, is a victim of his own expectations. And what I mean by that is, everybody built him up to be this incredible, can't-miss, unbelievable pass rusher. And when you put on the tape, you see a really good prospect. Joe, I think you said when you were talking about his athleticism, he's a 9 out of 10. But I think a lot of people are expecting 10 out of 10. Off the charts. Unbelievable. This guy's incredible. Can't miss. Got to take him number one. And then you watch the tape and you're like, oh, this guy's really good. But I don't know that I would put him in that category. I don't know that I would say that he's as great of an athlete as a Miles Garrett or somebody like that. And that's what I think a lot of people are starting to realize when they watch his tape. Is this going to cause him to drop in the draft? Will the ankle injury cause him to drop? Will his supposed attitude being all business or maybe being a little bit of a Jamal Adams type of bonehead cause him to drop? I don't know. Maybe if he goes through the interview process at the Combine and during private meetings and teams get turned off by him, possibly. If they look at his medical and don't love what they see with the ankle, maybe. If they go through his tape and come to the conclusion that he's very good but not great, maybe they want to go in a different direction in the top five or six or seven, it's certainly possible. I still think that when you're talking about an edge rusher with his size and his ceiling, that it's going to be very difficult for teams to talk themselves out of taking him very high. Now, does that mean he goes number one overall? Not necessarily. Does it mean he's going to fall to the Jets for sure at number four? Maybe. Not necessarily. Could he fall past the Jets? Possibly. There's so many questions around him right now, but I think that's really what's going on here, is that more than anything, people were expecting to see a Miles Garrett type of prospect, and Thibodeau is more of a really, really good prospect than a can't-miss, generational, unbelievable edge rusher prospect. And so people are starting to nick him a little bit here and there. And so maybe he's not a lock to go at number one, which is what we would have thought, say, a month ago. Yeah, no, and like you said, like he's like a 9 out of 10. You know, um, in terms of his athleticism, I think he's a 9 out of 10. Um, there are some you know, questions around the ankle injury. I, I see that. Um, his he's a very good athlete in terms of he's twitchy. He's powerful. Um, his bend is good. It's not, it's, it's, it's very, very good. It's not great. Um, the ankle flexion is the thing that I see being his problem. And again, I, we, we actually talked about this pre-show, the difference between bend and ankle flexion. Um, and he has the bend ankle flexion is more, you know, just okay. So, but with that being said, um, I still think he's a very good prospect, but like you said, he's not, he's not chase young, you know, he's not miles Garrett. He's not, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, more, more technical than he is, but he does have some, some issues um, in terms of his effort. I've seen that. And I, I, I saw that on film and I think I texted you about that before all this stuff came out. Well, I'm not sure if I did, but I should have. Um, there are some, there are some effort plays that, that, that I want to see him make where if he gets locked up, he can kind of give up on a play. Um, so that was a little bit of a question for me. He didn't have elite athleticism, which I thought he was going to have. Um, so that may, that drops him down to, you know, that nine out of 10 in terms of the athleticism. So there are some questions, 
But with that being said, like I, I still think the Jets would be absolute idiots to pass him up at, at four. But obviously, like we said, like if he goes to the if he goes to the, to the scouting combine and he's not answering questions, he's being standoffish. He's denying teams. He's being a you know he's being a jerk. Uh, he, who is that um that Forty ers linebacker from years ago, Scott? I know you'll know his name. I'm blanking on names today. Um, but who like caused a ruckus in the getting getting medicals to like a nurse or whatever uh, that, that really aggressive linebackers out of the years uh, out of the league for a couple of years if you don't get it i'll get it in a second but um if he does some of that stuff then then okay but i don't think that's that's expected i think a lot of questions came from like him criticizing alabama a little bit but i don't think that's necessarily the reason um that he's going to drop i don't think that that video is really that bad of a thing overall when you actually watch the whole thing um anyway he's just not an absolute slam dunk like the top of the draft isn't great this year it's just not unfortunately the, the one of the years when the jets are picking high there's no quarterbacks um but yeah you know th- there are some reasons but i don't i don't think any of it's um overly concerning as of yet we, we still have a long way to go though joe were you talking about reuben foster yes there it is i had a feeling but once again you were on a roll i figured i'd let you go all the way through and then i would throw that in there Next question comes from Michael Pallas. He says, who do you think should be the top trade options for the Jets? Joe Douglas did mention the possibility of getting established talent. Where would you be looking? So I think wide receiver makes a lot of sense. The three Mm -hmm. names we've heard the most about are Amari Cooper from the Dallas Cowboys, Calvin Ridley from the Atlanta Falcons, and DK Metcalf from the Seattle Seahawks. I also think you could at least inquire to the Minnesota Vikings about the possibility of trading for somebody like Daniil Hunter. Keep in mind, he's expensive, but he is one of the best when healthy. That said, I don't imagine Minnesota is going to give him away, even if they need to clear a lot of cap space. I'd probably call the Saints and see if there are any players that you could try and get from them that they could get cap relief for. But let's start with the wide receivers. I've talked about this with you in texts a lot, Joe. I don't think even if he becomes available, DK Metcalf is a realistic option for the Jets. And the reason is because if the Seahawks are moving on from him, they're blowing it all up and they are going to want a lot of draft picks. And I just don't think it makes sense for the Jets to invest a ton of draft picks and give a $100 million plus contract to DK Metcalf. That to me is the type of move that you make when you're on the verge of doing something. I don't think that a team that has Elijah Moore and Corey Davis already, that has a lot of premium needs, should be doing that. I would rather in that instance just draft a receiver in the second round or do something else. Calvin Ridley, I wouldn't want because I just don't know what you're going to get from him. We know that he missed a lot of time for mental health reasons, and I hope he gets better. But we don't even know if he's going to play next year. If he does, we don't know where he's going to be at. On top of that, is New York really the place for a guy that has had mental health issues, might be better off going somewhere else? And on top of that, you have to pay Calvin Ridley and give up some pretty heavy draft capital. So that's one that I probably wouldn't do either. To me, the one that makes the most sense is Amari Cooper, and that's because he's somebody that I think fits this offense really well, an excellent route runner, still only 27 years old. The Cowboys really need to get rid of him because of the cap charge that he carries. They're not going to be able to keep him. There's talk about Tank Lawrence as well, so I'd probably inquire about him too as another potential trade option. So if Cooper becomes available, I think you'll be able to get him for a much more reasonable price draft capital-wise. I've suggested 
maybe some combination of a three and a four or a four this year and a conditional two next year, something like that. And then the acquiring team only has to pay $16 million for him this year, which is a reasonable price for a receiver of his caliber. You'd pay more on the open market. And then after that, he's got two years left, but no guaranteed money. So if you're going to make a deal, you can rework the contract and say, we'll guarantee you X amount of dollars if you drop your per year figure. So that to me makes the most sense. And if you go into next year with Amari Cooper, Corey Davis, and Elijah Moore, you've got yourself a top 10 caliber wide receiver group for Zach Wilson, and it'll really help him make that jump in year number two, you hope. Daniil Hunter, depending on the price, certainly you would entertain that. He's an excellent edge rusher. The question, of course, is what is Minnesota going to want? Are they going to want a first-round pick? Are they going to want a first-round pick plus? I don't know. So that's a question you have to answer. Similar with Tank Lawrence, I don't really know what the Cowboys would want, but he's also slipped quite a bit in the last year or so. So, Joe, those are just some targets off the top of my head that I think the Jets could get via trade. I'm not sure if there are any others that you're thinking of, but what do you think of the ones I threw out there, and are there any others that I didn't list that you think might be good trade targets? You know, I think I think those are the most like generally talked about ones. Um, and on defense, like if you're going to trade for something, it's for a it's for a premium position. You know, a la uh, cornerback uh, with the Saints. That's that's the guy. Like, okay, if they're if they're shopping Marshall Lattimore, I would um, look into that. I think that's realistic um, because the Saints, like I like, you can cut like all of their players on the team. They're still in cap hell because of penalties. Like they have absolutely nothing. Um, they have to dump pretty much everybody. So I could see that being realistic. Um, Daniel Hunter, you know, he's young enough for even if the Vikings are rebuilding, why are they going to get rid of one of the better rushers in the league? Yeah, he's not like top, top, but he's still he's still upper tier. Um, so I just don't see that happening. But I could see Douglas and, or Douglas, uh, Joe Douglas inquiring because, again, if he feels that Thibodeau and Hutchinson are going to go, um, then, or, you know, before their, their fourth overall pick, you don't love the other guys. Okay, then then trade uh, a pick for Daniel Hunter. I just I just don't or Daniel Hunter. I don't see it though. Um, and there, you know, with that being said, there are some guys, you know, maybe you can trade up back into the first round for like, let's say if it is like a, a Walker or a Thomas who slipped like 25, 26 and you have to trade a, you know, a third or whatever to get back in there. Okay. I'd rather do that. Um, maybe. And then on offense, I'm kind of of the position where you are, where I, if they're going to trade for anything on offense, I don't think they're going to trade for a guard. I don't think they're going to trade for a tight end. I don't really see any many realistic trade options. But for me, I'm much more about just in general addressing offense in free agency because the one thing we want to do, and I think a lot of Jets fans, and at least me and you can agree on this, the one thing we want to do it, you know, uh, is address the offense to help Zach Wilson. Like If we had one thing to choose, that's what we're doing, helping Zach Wilson. And I want to go into the draft knowing that we helped Zach Wilson enough in free agency where we could be flexible in the draft, where you don't have to take a receiver in the first. You don't have to take a receiver in the second. You want to fall – you want you want a defensive top-heavy draft, at least in the first 10 picks, um, uh, to fall however it's going to fall, and you'd be able to take the best position and not have to reach for anything. So um, I would like to address offense in free agency, both tight end, guard, and receiver, and receiver being the one that I think they could trade for. Like you said with your options – I don't think Metcalf gets traded. I, I just, I don't see why um, they would trade him again. If they're rebuilding. Okay. He's something to rebuild around. If they're going to con- uh, stick with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Okay. Metcalf's a piece of that. So why do you want to get rid of him? I don't really understand that one. Uh, Ridley, if he were to be mentally stable, like none of this stuff happened, then he would be my number one option because he's the youngest and a legit number one. And I think he's just starting to hit his ceiling. But again, we don't know uh, what's going on upstairs with him. Um, we're not going to be able to interview him. We're not going to be able to talk to him. So that's really, really sketchy for me. And again, like you said, 
if he's struggling in Atlanta with mental health stuff, what is it going to be like in the Big Apple? You know, not only from the situations you can get yourself into, nightlife, you know, people around you, whatever, but also the fan base. Like, I don't know exactly what he was struggling from, but I know, you know, if you drop a pass in New York in a big game, uh, don't check your DMs or your Twitter or anything like that because <laughs> people are going to absolutely come after you. So I don't know if that's the best environment. So I agree with you that Cooper, who, and you know, at this point, I think people are overrating his stats because again, you have, you have an offense with Schultz in it. You have an offense with uh, Lamb in it and with Gall- uh, Gallup in it and with Zeke in it and with Pollard in it. Like, yeah, he's not going to have the most stats because they can, they could spread the ball out so much. And, and, you know, um, with that being said, I think he's a lower tier number one, but he's still a number one. And like we've talked about before, if you trade for him, it's going to be um, with the contract renegotiated. Like they're not going to trade for him making $16 million this year. And then what, like 22 million and 22 million, like they're not going to pay that. So if he's not willing to renegotiate, then he's not on the table, but assuming that he is willing to renegotiate, you know, let's extend it a year or two, or uh, probably not two, hopefully another year and give him, you know, 15, $16 million a year, which if you look at the NFL pay scale right now, like that's the price you're going to pay for a low tier one. Again, don't forget that Nelson Aguilar made $12.5 million last year mm-hmm. and Kenny Galladay made 19, I think right about 19 and didn't have a touchdown pass. So if you're paying Cooper, who's a low tier one, low tier num- no, um, low tier one money and about $16 million a year, I, I think that's that's worth it. He fits the offense. Well, he's a good route runner. Um, he's a good yak from my memory. Obviously I have to watch him more up close and, and see if that's exactly true nowadays because yeah, while he's 27, he's a little bit older, but 27 because of the, he, um, he's been in the NFL for so damn long. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm more than willing to trade, you know, let's say a third and a fifth or a third and, you know, uh, next year's fourth or something like that for what I feel like could be, a piece of, like you said, a, re- a receiving corp that not only could be, but should be top 10 with all the assets they, they've poured um, into that. And then you put that together with the fact that you, we, we both expect the Jets to address a tight end position heavily with at least two um, assets and hopefully guard. And now you're talking about a new guard, two new tight ends, a, re- a receiving core featuring a healthy Corey Davis and emerging Elijah Moore in year two and a low tier number one receiver. Like what else could, you know, obviously you can upgrade some other stuff, but like what else can the kid ask for at this point? Like you'd really be surrounding Zach Wilson. And again, just to, just to wrap it up, let's go to the draft with flexibility. And to me, that means surrounding Zach Wilson before um, we even get there. That's going to wrap up part two of the mailbag. Make sure you check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up there taking a look at Dalton Schultz, who could be a Jets target, free agency at tight end. Speaking of tight end, he's got a great video up there of Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State, and what he thinks McBride could do for the Jets offense if the Jets were to draft him. He's got a video up reviewing Zach Wilson's most recent performance against the Buffalo Bills and breaking down how he went from being a turnover-prone quarterback to a turnover-free quarterback. That's all on our YouTube channel right now, so check out those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tee And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. For the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.